Welcome to Horticulture Hangover on News Radio KLBJ. You're in the right place to get answers to all of your questions about your lawn, garden, trees, and more. Now, here's your host, Colleen Dieter. Hey, everyone. Good morning. It's wintry out there, foggy today. It's a great Austin winter day. I'm enjoying the long nights, the solstice upon us, and getting some extra rest and uh, following the lead of the trees who are all losing their leaves and going dormant now. And that's really great. And that means it's tree planting season because the best time to plant the trees is when they have lost their leaves when they're dormant. So if you're interested in tree planting, now is a good time. Um, I also, after the trees lose their leaves, like to do a little tree pruning too. It's a good time for that. So, um, if you have any questions about trees, tree pruning, I'm a landscape consultant at atxgardens.com. My business is called Red Wheelbarrow and I give advice to my customers uh, about their yards. I help primarily do-it-yourselfers, people who want to do the gardening work themselves, but they don't know what to do. I give advice. So check out atxgardens.com and Red Wheelbarrow. And uh, call me today or text me at 512-836-0590. With your gardening questions, uh, like I said, is tree planting, tree pruning time. I'd love to answer your tree questions. I'm a, a certified arborist with the International Society of Arboriculture. Um, so trees are my thing, but I can answer any questions about your yard um, and plants, anything about landscaping. Last Saturday after the show, I did a talk at the Natural Gardener out in Oak Hill and got to meet some of you listeners. Stephen Leander was there. It was so fun to meet y'all. Thanks for coming out. It was a really fun event. Um, And I did a talk about winter native plant maintenance. So we talked about a lot about how and when to cut back your perennials. And it's a confusing topic, um, but I've been at it for 20 years now and got the hang of it and collected a lot of information from my gardening friends um, mentors, uh, people I know who work at the Wildflower Center or volunteer there, master gardeners, and uh, collected a lot of information about how to cut back your perennials and when to do it and uh, how to know if it's the right time. So I sell a little book on my website about plant maintenance. It's called Let's Care for Texas Plants. 
You can check that out at atxgardens.com. And I sold a few copies last week at Natural Gardener to some folks, and it was really great. It was so fun meeting meeting the listeners and and um, meeting some new folks too. And I really appreciate Natural Gardener for having me out there. And uh, they still have a very good plant selection out there, looking good for the winter. And uh, they're making some uh, uh, upgrades to the store. They're painting a little bit, putting on a fresh coat of paint over there at Natural Gardener and keeping things looking sharp. (laughs) It's pretty nice. I love Natural Gardener so much. So um, you all might, you know, pay them a visit. Uh, So it was a great week. I also... Had a great time out at Tree Folks this week. I got invited to their Christmas party or winter solstice party. Um, And we had such a good time. My husband and I went and um, it's kind of the closest thing that I get to an office Christmas party since I'm self-employed. It was really nice to feel like I was part of the workplace and they had a big bonfire out there and you know, they're planting trees, and I've been volunteering with them for years and years at Tree Folks. So um, let's see. I have a text message here with a very interesting question. The question is, it says, Hi, Colleen. Love your show. What trees can I plant in West Texas desert? Also, if you have a second, what flowers to draw bees in West Texas? Thank you, Deb. Well, Deb, I have never gardened in the West Texas desert, but I have visited and I am kind of obsessed. Um, And I know that desert willows grow out there beautifully. Um, no problems there. The Anacacho orchid is also from the West Texas desert. Um, so some of those trees that we plant around here in Austin, uh, came from that region. And then another one that grows here and in West Texas is the Palo Verde tree, also known as Ritama. And there's two different types that I know of of the Ritama, um, also known as Palo Verde. There's one that's just the regular type that's thorny and has kind of a wild shape. It's multi-trunked and kind of gnarly, but I really love them. I used to have one in my yard. Um, But then there's another type that was bred that's called the Desert Museum Tree. That's a cultivar called Desert Museum, and it's thornless, and it has a little bit nicer shape. So it tends to be single-trunked and has a nice wide canopy. So check those guys out. Um, And... What flowers to draw bees in West Texas? Well, definitely Texas sage. 
would work. It's a shrub, evergreen shrub with silver leaves. And then they come in a couple different colors, pinks and purples, um, and a few different habits. Some are more upright than others. There's one that I particularly love called Lynn's Legacy. That is a little bit more uh, compact than some of the other types of Texas sage. Um, it has almost an arching habit and purple flowers, and that will attract bees. Um, depending on where you are in West Texas, um, you could try a different species of blue bonnets that grow out west. There's one called the mountain blue bonnet. Um, will attract bees and they're big lupines, but they're annuals, so they only live for one season. Um, there's another plant called agastache. Um, that I believe is a good pollinator plant that I know grows out there, but I haven't had much experience with it. Um, of course, Salvia gregei is a classic choice. That will grow out in West Texas and co-evolved with bees. So the little um, flowers have a little landing pad shape to them. And the bees can land on that little petal to get into the flower to get the nectar and the pollen. Salvia gregei, it's a classic choice. They grow all over the place in Texas. They grow here, but um, I believe they're Chihuahuan Desert uh, natives. So you can check those guys out. And they come in lots of different colors. Um, they have a closely related buddy. Um, called Salvia microphylla um, that just started becoming available in nurseries, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. Um, there's a couple different kinds of Salvia microphylla, too, I think would be a good choice um, for attracting bees. Um, there's one called lipstick. They come in a couple different colors. So hope that helps you, Deb, out in West Texas. I'd love to know where you are in West Texas. Um, I think that's really neat, and I love visiting the Big Bend region. Uh, my husband and I love it out there. Uh, and we were just talking with our friend last night about um, how much we like Alpine. And... Uh, our friend visited the uh, record store out there in Alpine that we like to record store and the bookstore and um, in between hikes, we like to go and check out those places. So um, we've got Kim on the line in South Austin. Hi, Kim. How are you doing this good. morning? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Good, good. I, I have a question about transplanting grasses. I have a couple of cytoscroma that have volunteered in a place that they need to be to be moved from. And should I do it when they're dormant, so in this time of year, or should I wait to the spring? I was going to put them into pots, not 
like immediately put them in the ground somewhere else. Okay. Yeah, now is a good time to do that. It's fine. Um, especially with something as durable as side oats grandma. Um, the most important thing is to not make sure when you replant them, not to plant them too deeply. Like when you put them in the pots, mm-hmm. make sure make sure that you don't pile any soil up against the stems and the leaves of the plant. Um, because okay. they will definitely rot, especially at this time of year when they're not growing, actively growing. Um, that can rot them. So, yeah, but you should be fine this time of year with them. Okay, great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So thanks so much for your question, Kim. And we're getting ready to go to a break, so I'm going to let you go. But thanks for your call. You're welcome. Okay, good luck. Bye. Thanks. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Good morning, everyone. This is Colleen Dieter on the Horticulture Hangover show. Good morning. This foggy Saturday solstice time of year. Quite nice. Um... Thank you, Kim, for your call. Sorry, I had to cut it a little short there to go to the commercial. But um, side oats, Grandma, I'm so glad you're growing those lovely grasses. They're great for our local ecology. There's butterflies that depend on them as host plants for their caterpillars. Um, You know, my friend Leah, who used to be on the show with me here, we still have our podcast together, the Horticulture Audi podcast, and uh, she's really interested in that. She's been studying up on um, caterpillars that depend on grasses for their hosts. Um, so those caterpillars have something to eat while they're getting ready before they turn into butterflies. So it's pretty neat that you're growing those side oats, Grandma, because they're hard to find, too. You don't really see them at the nursery very often. So I commend you for your efforts. And um, I definitely think this is a great time for dividing grasses. Um, it's a it's not too late to divide bulbs if you're if you have bulbs that need to be moved, divided. Um, it's fine, and you can plant them directly into the ground if you want to. Um, I know a lot of people sometimes need to, you know, keep stuff in pots because they're, you know, doing construction or, you know, have all kinds of reasons to not put the plants in the ground right away or you're not ready to um, with the planting area and stuff like that. So that's all fine uh, with the grasses. That's fine. And that's something I like to talk about in my my classes a lot, um, and I do have some classes coming up in um, January. I like to talk about maintenance when we're talking about maintenance of the garden. You know, it's not just pruning, um, but that's mostly what people think of as pruning, weeding, feeding. But also, if you're a successful gardener and things are going good, the plants are going to get too big. Eventually, they're going to outgrow the space that you made for them. No matter how well you planned the garden, you know, 
your plants are eventually going to get bigger than you planned for. And um, then you've got to dig them up and move them around. This is that's what I like to call editing, you know, and you'll see there'll be spots where a plant will die and then another plant gets too big or your the group of plants gets bigger on its own, either because the plants root themselves or the plants um, travel via underground stems and they make new plants or they come up from seed. And, and that's all gardening. That's fun. I think that's the most fun part of gardening is taking some of those volunteer plants or plants that got too big and moving them around, transplanting them to the spaces where stuff, stuff died or transplanting them to new planting areas that you create um, or passing them along to friends uh, at plant swaps and seed swaps and stuff like that. It's great. Um it's a little dodgy at this time of year to transplant um, perennials because there is a possibility if you dig up a perennial at this time of year that will have a hard freeze before the plant is established in its new home. And that, that could kill it, potentially. So stuff like lantanas... Um, Mexican bush sage, all the big, tall salvias like salvia farinacea, um, you know, mealy blue sage, amistad sage, stuff like that. Um, you know, pride of Barbados, yellow bells, esperanza, those kind of plants. Um, it's a little risky to transplant them at this time of year. Um, you can do it, but they might die, you know, and just, just something to keep in mind. If we have a real hard freeze and they're not established, it might kill them. So I prefer to wait until March, March, April, May for them. But for grasses, trees and shrubs, roses, um, all the woody plants, uh, stuff like yuccas, um, you can definitely you know, transplant that stuff at this time of year. Go ahead and do that. So give me a call or text me with your gardening questions. It's quiet today. Last week I had so many text messages I couldn't answer all of them. Couldn't get to everybody, but this week is so quiet. Uh, it's 512-836-0590. Um, this week for my landscape consulting business uh, at, that's called Red Wheelbarrow at atxgardens.com. I helped one of my customers by shopping for her. Um, and I'll tell you more about that in a minute because we've got Mary on the line from North Austin. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. Um have an odd an odd problem. Okay. So my neighbor planted blue bonnets a number of years ago because she collected them from her family farm, the seed, and it's been beautiful. She has them. They came to my yard. I've got lots of them. Mm. They're coming up, but they're coming up also in my what I call my butterfly garden out front, mm. and they're just thick. 
you know, they're really small right now, and they're just thick. Mm-hmm. Is that too many? Should I thin them out so it, you know, will it hurt my plants that are there? Okay. Um, hmm, that's a great question. What kinds of plants do you have in there? Mostly native stuff. Um, I'm, you know, um, what's the blue butterfly plant and um Okay. Not rock rose. What do you... Um, okay, Just yeah. lots of native, different native stuff. Okay. No, I don't think it's going to be too big a problem. What I would do um, is just make sure that they're not crowding the stems of your plants too much. So if they're like coming right up around the stems of the plants, um, I just want to make sure that they're not touching each other. There, there's a slim chance that like the leaves of the blue bonnets touching the stems of your like rock roses mm-hmm. um, could cause them to rot. Probably not. And um, if anything, the blue bonnets are probably helping them because they fix nitrogen in the soil. So I th- yeah, that that had crossed my mind. I mean, yeah. it's just like a carpet. They're so thick. Oh no! And I'm wondering if I wonder if they would look better or. I'd get better blooms if I thinned them out a little bit. <laughs> um, I don't think so. I, I think you're going to okay. be fine. And I just want to make sure that they're not, you know, touching your plant, you know, the plants that you planted intentionally. And I think yeah. I'd want to make sure they're not, you know, not going to grow over. If you do have any smaller plants in there that where the blue bonnets might grow over them and like block the light. Um, from them, you might want to clear out around them, like something small, like, you know, blackfoot daisies or something like that. But, um, I do have those. Yeah. Yeah, So you may want to, yeah, you may want to clear out just right around, you know, close to your plants, but no, I don't think you need to thin or anything. Um, I guess you could, but it just feels like creating (laughs) extra work. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing how they've yeah. taken over. So oh, anyway, okay, lucky I'll give you, it a try. Mary. Thank you. Okay, enjoy, enjoy the show this spring. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, all right, Bye-bye. thank you. Bye. Um, yeah, lucky Mary. Okay, we've got to go to the news now. Welcome to Horticulture Hangover on News Radio KLBJ. You're in the right place to get answers to all of your questions about your lawn, garden, trees, and more. Now, here's your host, Colleen Dieter. Hey, everybody. This is Colleen Dieter on the Horticulture Hangover Show. I am a landscape consultant with ATXGardens.com. Red Wheelbarrow. So check it out. Um, I'm here to answer your questions today. 512-836-0590. I'm starting to get some text messages in, y'all. Thank you. Um, So got a question about um, maple trees, which is cool. Um borers in a maple tree and uh you know that's a complicated problem so someone asked that said they've got 
borers and they're in the maple tree. What's the best remedy for that? And that's a really tough situation. And it really depends a lot on what kind of borers they are and what the cultural situation is around the tree. So I really recommend you getting in touch with an ISA certified arborist who can come and take a look Um, because there may be other problems with the tree that are causing it to um, become susceptible to the borers. So we've got Denise on the line in Elgin with a question about a plum tree. Good morning, Denise. Good morning. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I was, uh, uh, I, I have a single plum tree. It's mm-hmm. self-pollinating. I've had it in the ground for about four years, five years now. Mm-hmm. And this year, I noticed that um, this fall, after the leaves were falling and I was looking at it, it's got little um, sap, like holes where the sap is coming out mm-hmm. in a couple of places. And I'm suspecting it's probably boars. Mm-hmm. And then I need to maybe treat it with dormant oil, but I wasn't sure. I thought I'd better check. Um, is it is the sap like? Does it look like jelly, or is it more liquid looking? Uh, it it's up, so it's probably like jelly. Yeah, more jelly. So um, it's not necessarily borers. I know that's kind of the first thing that comes to mind for folks when they see that uh, kind of jelly. Coming out of their fruit trees, it's a really common problem. It's referred to as gamosis, but it can be caused by lots of different things, um, including uh, canker diseases. Um, so there's like bacterial canker and fungal canker that can cause that. And so um, the trees can have that and they can live with it for a long time, um, but you can control it by following a spray schedule. Um, it does it does kind of slow the tree down, so to speak, you know, especially at this age, since you haven't had it for that long and it should just be, you know, starting to live the best years of its life and produce fruit for you now. Um, so I recommend spraying with copper. Uh, it's fungicide, um, but it also will kill bacteria um, so you can get on a copper spray program um, to help control that. You're never going to cure it, but it will help control it so it doesn't get so out of hand that it could kill the tree eventually. Um, so I recommend spraying with copper this time of year. Um, on my website, I have a fruit tree care calendar for sale uh, that will give you reminders of when to spray. Um, so that's what that's what I would recommend for you. Um, and some holistic sprays too, like compost tea or garlic sprays, can help keep that under control as well. Does that make sense, okay. Denise? Yes, and the tree still has green leaves on it, uh-huh. so do I need to wait until all the leaves have dropped off? Yeah, it's or? a good idea. Yeah, I, I would wait, yeah, I think for okay. the leaves to drop, and it'll be easier to spray at that time. And, um, okay. Yeah, you'll be what's in the frequ- What's the frequency of spraying it um, then? I think, I can't remember, I think off the top of my head I would say once a month. Okay. Um, 
And but like I said, that's why I made that calendar because it's so hard to remember how often you're supposed to spray. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. But if I, I do spray it only when it doesn't have leaves. I so can't, if it's got uh, leaves, I shouldn't spray it. Let's then. see. I can't remember, Denise. I think the copper spray. Yeah, I think you're only supposed to spray it when it's lost its leaves. But I'm going to look during the next commercial break and verify okay. to try to remember. All right. Yeah. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate the help. You're welcome, Denise. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, that's so challenging with fruit trees. They get so many different um, diseases and bugs and stuff like that. And there is a schedule for spraying to control those critters. And it's almost inevitable with the fruit trees with the home garden that you're going to have gamosis on plums, peaches, nectarines, and apricots, all the stone fruits. Um have a tendency to get gamosis from several different causes. And yeah, it helps to get on a spray schedule. It will prolong the life and productivity of the trees to do some sprays. And um, I like to do a combination of copper. Um, there's some sulfur sprays that can help. Um, uh, there's an old-fashioned uh Bordeaux mix, that's a mix of copper and um, sulfur um, that can really help. But um, I also really like the organic sprays. All of those things that I just named are organic, but they're pretty severe in terms of organics. They're really, really strong, very powerful compared to most organics and the copper can be polluting to our waterways. You have to be careful when you use it. You can't just use it with reckless abandon. And you have to take some care because it, they will pollute waterways and can damage, uh, can kill fish and stuff like that. So we have to be careful even with these organic products. And so I also like to do what are called holistic sprays um, like compost tea um, and there's some products that you can buy. There's one called Serenade that are um, bacteria that populate the plant. And you spray them on there and the, um, oops, the, uh, the bacteria populate the plant and kind of help block out the diseases and the, the problem organisms. So if you get a healthy population of beneficial microorganisms populating the plants, then they uh, the diseases can't get in. So um, check out my fruit tree spray calendar, like I said, at atxgardens.com. Click on shop um, because it is so hard for me to remember um, when to spray. <laughs> uh, the schedule is... Uh, kind of complicated and I can never remember which sprays you're supposed to use when the trees have leaves and which ones they you can't spray when they have leaves and um, you have to be really careful with all these sprays for the fruit trees so that's why I made the calendar for myself and then decided to make it available to uh, my customers uh, atxgardens.com click on shop
So thanks for that question about the plum trees. Let's see. So got a question via text here. It says, good morning. Please elaborate on what you think about using bonnets, blue bonnets as a cover crop while trying to establish a tall grass prairie in Blanco County. I'm a botanist. Have just not found anyone to bounce this idea off of. Plan to mow them before and during the seed dispersal. Yeah, so great to hear from you. That's really neat, and I love these kind of ideas. I love the idea of using blue bonnets as a cover crop while trying to get the grasses established because you know most of the grasses are going to be warm season. Um warm season growers, uh, most species, you know, aren't going to want to start growing until April. So yeah, using the blue bonnets as a cover crop between now and then makes perfect sense in terms of the season because the blue bonnets will be growing now um, as little rosettes all winter. So y'all look for your little blue bonnet rosettes. They should be up now. Um, if they're coming up, if they're coming up, they're they're up by now, um, and there'll be little tiny blue bonnet plants that'll sit there until the first week of March, and then they'll start blooming, and then you've got to let them bloom March and April, and then after that they'll make seed, and um, you know when you're trying to establish the tall grass. Prairie, you'll have to decide when you want to mow the blue bonnets um, before the seed dispersal for your tall grass prairie um, because you may end up needing to mow a little bit earlier than the blue bonnets are ready to be mowed. Usually we wait until after the blue bonnets die and they've um, spread their seed all over the place. Um, and then mow, which usually doesn't happen until like mid-June or around 4th of July. So um, in order to get your tall grass prairie sown, uh, you may need to uh, mow a little earlier, like uh, before they've set seed. So that's okay. Um, you just wouldn't get any new blue bonnets next year. So go for it, I say, and now we're going to go to the break. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Good morning, everyone. Hey, I was just following up, looking at my calendar to see when you should spray your fruit trees, and it's very confusing. Um, but if you're looking for preventing fungal and bacterial diseases, I really like spraying in April, early April, um, spraying with compost tea or actinovate. Actinovate is a product you can use for that. Garlic sprays or serenade are the holistic sprays to help prevent fungal and bacterial diseases on the tree. 
It's sort of like um, probiotics for humans. Um, but I think I've got it in there multiple times through the year um, for spraying. And if you already have gamosis on the trees, um, I think what I would do is like a alternating kind of a holistic spray with a copper spray once a month. And I just can't remember if it's okay to spray with copper when the trees have their leaves. So we're going to have to do a little more research. And that's, you know, the fruit trees are a little challenging, y'all. It's hard to hard to keep them healthy. Um, but they're, they're a lot of, they can be a lot of fun, too. Um, so we've got a question here with a cool picture. It says, I hope this picture sends. It's a rare vining milkweed pod. Supposedly all parts are edible. Stir fry? Question mark. You know anything about these? Regular milkweed is poison, but not these. Super cool. Um, I love that picture of the vining milkweed pods. I think you're supposed to eat them if you eat them. You're supposed to eat them when they're really small. Um, I don't think you can eat them when they're at this stage, at this time of year, when they're full of seeds. Um, but what you can do is collect them and collect the seeds and share them with your local seed library. If there's one near you, if not ask the librarians at your public library, if they could start a seed library and put some milkweed seeds in there for people to have, because they're very important for the monarch butterflies. Okay. Um, but yeah, I have heard of eating those. Um, I have milk. I have, uh, I've never tried it myself. I have that plant. I have a, a vining milkweed in my yard. Um, they just don't appeal to me because of all the sap. Um, but I do eat a lot of stuff out of my yard. I mean, I eat, um, you know, I do a lot of foraging. Uh, but I have never tried the milkweed. So, and I would do it, if you are going to do it, you need to look for them when they're really small, I think. Because now they're going to just be like woody and not very good. Hard and woody. Okay, so we got another question here. Good morning. Um, can the little round black pods on lantanas be planted now? Merry Christmas. Yeah. Um, if you have the little berries on your lantanas, yes, you can plant them now. Uh, and they'll come up from seed. A lot of times they'll volunteer. The birds like to eat those too, and we'll deliver them elsewhere in the landscape for you. Um, I've never done that myself, uh, but... Um, what I would do, I think, is I would um, try starting them indoors where it's warmer um, and the soil is warm. Um, break open that little pod, and I think there's a seed inside of it, and then plant that um, in near a bright, sunny window or um, and keep it going. Or it might take a while for it to sprout. 
Um, it may take up to, you know, two or three weeks for a lantana seed to sprout like that. So try it out and see what you think. A lot of times they'll just come up on their own. So it's a lot of fun. It's a great way to get some new plants, experimenting with trying some new, trying to start some seeds. So um, something fun I had going on this week was I helped one of my customers, um, my friend Anne Monique, who is also does my hair. She's my hairstylist. Helped her with her yard. She did a total overhaul of her whole yard. Um, they built a new pool. Um, they remodeled their house. They have got a lot of stuff going on over there. And I did a consultation for her back in the spring, and we made a plan together for the plantings. And she's doing some of the planting herself. And she also has some uh landscapers that are going to do some of the planting for her, some of the bigger stuff too. And uh, we made a plan together and then uh, she prepared the ground, got the planting areas ready. They put in some uh, cool welded metal edging um, to separate the grass areas from the planting areas. So that's really cool. Um, and I helped her after we made the plan. I went to the wholesale nurseries and I bought the plants that she needs uh, that can be planted at this time of year and uh, put them out where they need to go. Um, so that way they're just ready to get planted by whoever's going to do the planting, whether it's her or um, her landscapers. And uh, so that's one of the services that I offer to my customers is plant shopping and delivery and placement uh, after we do a design together. So it was pretty neat. So I brought her some color guard yuccas, which is sort of like a soft leaf yucca that has yellow stripes. It's They're really cool. I like them a lot. Very low maintenance. I brought her some red yuccas, also known as Hesperallos. And that combination of the red yuccas with the color guard yuccas, really nice. They go well together. I brought her some Texas sage, which I was talking about earlier in the program. Um, and I brought her 10 of those and some Three desert willow trees, which I was also talking about earlier in the program as things that would grow in West Texas. And um, a golden lead ball tree. Uh, so that's pretty cool. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing how all of that goes. And uh, then in the spring... We'll get together again, and I'll bring her the perennials that she needs for the yard. And um, she can plant those when it's safe because it's just a little too cold right now for the perennials. So just to give you all an idea of the kinds of things that I do as a landscape consultant, um, that shopping and delivery service is really popular because, um, you know, when you're, 
doing a new planting area and you've got like a big space to fill, uh, it can be hard to find the numbers of plants that you need sometimes. And because I have access to the wholesalers, I can bring large numbers of plants for you at one time. Uh, It saves you a little bit of driving around trying to find stuff. But plant shopping is really, really fun, and I do want to support our locally owned retail nurseries too. But just want you all to know, that's how I help my customers at atxgardens.com. Hope you all have some very happy holidays, and I'll be back next week. Thanks so much.